Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social, and I'm joined here today on this podcast with a very special guest who I think is doing something really fantastic that is beneficial to individuals uh, in the industry and employers as well. Tara Carl, uh, who has set up a fantastic company called Archie English. Tara, hello. How are you? Hi, Stephen. I'm very well today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Well, this is it, you know, and so we actually um, cross paths through the wonderful world of Instagram and it, and and I'm a bit of a, a new a newbie in the Instagram world and I quite enjoy it. And at first I thought it was purely about maybe showcasing architectural photography and so forth, but there's a lot more than that. And actually that's where I become aware of Archie English and, and the, the content that you do. And partly for that was with Sarah Lebner um, and her fantastic Instagram course. Uh, course, She's got a course, she's got her own um, channel as well. But more importantly, for anyone that's not familiar with Archie English, we've established that that's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. However, do you want to let everyone know what Archie English is about? Yeah, so Archie English is something that I established. I'm an English teacher, and I'm also a landscape architect. And I wanted to bring these two passions together, these two things that I really love, and Mm. to develop something that I thought would be really useful for people. So I developed this business called Archie English, and it's about really taking English lessons for professionals who speak English as a second language and giving them more powerful language and also empowering them with more confidence. Uh, So that's essentially what it is. It's about educating more people about how they can use English in a more powerful way, and also I think showing them things that might be hidden to them because they've done, they may have done general English lessons before and not really uh, gone so deep into the language before. Mm. It's it's definitely interesting. I think that having been in industry myself, and we touched upon it a little bit before um, doing this podcast, I've seen it on the two sides where uh, I've worked while I was in practice with some fantastic architects and architectural assistants. And if English is the second language, you're right, it's very hard to, first of all, get all those little industry terms, pick up all the little nuggets of information which get thrown around an architectural office. But I I can imagine if English is your second language and you're going into an office, you have decent English, but you haven't got these terms, it can be really difficult. And I've seen that in some people's faces. You know, when you get the blank expression, you've got someone who's incredibly smart and they miss stuff. But what I love about this um I guess what you could say what you're doing, the course and everything and what you offer is building up that confidence is extremely important because actually when we're talking about these individuals, they're also some of the best architects that I've ever met, talented people, which offer so much value. And it sounds like to me a nice way to kind of get over that hurdle and, and to get a bit more confident in the office. But what inspired you to actually uh, set this up was it was it when you were in as a landscape architect that you you saw this was there that epiphany moment when you were like wow you're amazing and i would like to help you overcome this problem was there something like that 
I've been working as a landscape architect for 14 years and it wasn't until two years ago that when I moved to France and I couldn't really work as a landscape architect here because I didn't speak French. Ah, okay, cool. That started me thinking about, okay, well, what can I do instead that could be useful for other people? Right. But then it really made me think about a long time ago when I first was working as a graduate. And I think I was about four years into my my into my career and I mm. worked with somebody who had just graduated from uni, had come from China and was finding it really difficult to understand subtleties about the language. Right. And so I felt as though there could be something there. There's some there's a way that I could help her. And I I started sitting with her, mentoring her about certain ways that she could write emails, about expressions that we had, things like that. And actually the other day one of my ex-colleagues sent me this email that I had sent in 2012, which was giving people a lesson on what's the difference between affect the verb and affect the noun. So I realized that it was something that I was passionate about very early on, but I never really took it on board. And it wasn't until I was in France and I was in the situation where (laughs) I had noticed these uh, people that I was working with were in also that I thought, okay, there's uh, there's a way I can can help people in this situation. So that's where the inspiration came from. Makes complete sense. And I imagine when you were there, uh, in that position, you know all the knowledge, and I, I can imagine it, it's it's almost like the ability you haven't got the ability to speak as in. So you're a landscape designer, you know the solution for the to the problem, and then communicating that because it's not. And the point is, it's not just an English lesson, isn't it? Now we're talking about industry terms; it's very specific and fast paced information that you need to get across in the project, in the design team meeting or within your own team. And I can imagine that it must be really frustrating. Um, so it, while I can totally see the need for it. The other thing that I, we touched upon briefly, and I think it's important to mention is the value of this almost to, uh, I imagine an architectural practice, because I've also seen the other flip side of the coin where an architectural practice really values an individual but English is the second less, uh, second language and they haven't learned all the terms yet. And it almost sometimes can be the bit that stops them getting to that next level or in some cases even stops getting them promoted or anything because they can't almost proj- job run yet because um, the trust, maybe it's not so much the trust isn't there, but it's more because they don't have that ability to communicate that information quickly, uh, those terms in English that, they do not get promoted. I mean, is do you have you seen employers get involved in the course, or do you, have you seen interest from it from that end as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I would say there's two things. You know, a lot of the students that I work with, a lot of the professionals I work with, often come to me and say, "I know what I need to say. I know what needs to happen, but I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to input into a meeting." I'm afraid of inputting into a meeting. And then and then so they therefore don't necessarily put their hand up to 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 take on more responsibility. And right. Then, and then also they may feel as though, you know, they're not good enough. And sometimes I think particularly in architecture and landscape architecture you'll know we use a lot of jargon. 
and we tend to overuse these things and they and people who speak english as a second language often feel like they have to speak the same language in order to feel mm. like they can add value to a project and so very often when i work with people it's about communicating and and making them feel as though they still add value to the project mm. and then on the other hand i often get uh, senior architects or senior landscape architects suggesting that people come and work with me because it can be more about them overcoming the mindset aspect of it, yeah. not so much the English. So I often work with people who have very advanced level of English but think that they don't have a good level of English because it takes them a little bit longer to think of how to express something and they feel like they need to perform. So in in a way, it could really, working with me and, and working with a, an architecture practice, it can mm. really help both parties. It can help make the, the process more efficient and effective rather than both people worrying about the other. It's interesting because it's almost, and what I take from that as well, because there's an element of you, you're teaching the terms, the skills there, but a big part of it from what you're saying, it sounds like confidence is key or just getting on board and, and realizing that they can do it and, and getting that bit so that someone can continue to progress and, and grow. But I mean, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. What well, I'm quite curious as well. So you, you, you had the idea there. There's definitely a need for it, which is why when, when, I saw on, on Instagram, Archie Inglis. It was one of the moments of like, I've never seen this done before, but I can totally, totally see the need for it. And I was like quietly curious, admiring you from a distance for a little while on, on the Instagram. But when, so we're going to, we're going to wind back to when you were setting it up. And so you're like, right, there's a need for this, but how, how do you even go about tackling this mammoth? tasks you almost like start listing down industry terms or how you because you almost need to set up a curriculum and and setting up a like, course for someone to to do is quite difficult right i imagine it, that maybe there was a few iterations or how did yeah. you go about that whole process yeah it's interesting question too because you're talking about it in terms of a course or a curriculum and for me it is that but it's also mm. about listening to people so right i tend to not develop a curriculum too much for working with one-to-one -one students until I speak to them and I understand what it is exactly that they need because Mine. each person will be different in terms of what they need. So I'm working with somebody at the moment who is a senior architect and has to do a lot of writing and a lot of uh, minutes for meetings, emails, things like that. And one of the things that they're worried about is they don't want to keep on delegating this task to to people within their team they want to take more responsibility and do it themselves so I develop that curriculum based on what they need if I'm working so I also work in a university at the moment in Thailand so I work online wow. that curriculum's a bit different in that it's yeah. working with Thai students who are working in English and they are going to be architects uh, so they right. have Thai professors and also English professors. So with that, it's more of a set curriculum. They're learning presentation skills. They're learning English for architecture. So they're learning all the terms of things. Whereas with the one-to-one -one clients and the groups that I'm working with, it's more about 
developing their ability to articulate an idea because that's a skill. If you're with a client, for example, and you're having to explain your design, that's a skill that you need to have. And if you don't have the right vocabulary, plus you don't have the confidence, that makes it really hard. So we look at things like it's not just about vocabulary. It's not just about um, making making sure they know the terms. It's also about making sure they practice using the terms and right. they put themselves in situations where they can get feedback because I'm, I'm certain that you've probably seen this before. When somebody speaks English as a second language and they have to speak and they're perhaps in a client meeting and maybe they make some mistakes or they're struggling, it's not really the time to give them feedback. You and can't, so yeah. You just yeah, can't do cause, that. Because things are going ahead, isn't it? And so it yeah. almost hinders the process, unfortunately. And exactly. I imagine that feels quite alienating for the person, doesn't it? And it's difficult. I mean, a lot of a lot of the people I work with, they they come to me with very similar problems. So when I was starting out Archie English, of course, I had in my mind what were some of the ideas of uh, vocabulary that I needed to talk about. But really, what I post on Instagram comes from the conversations that I have with all my, with my students, with my clients. Mm. So if they ask me about, for example, why do we use this particular language when we're doing documentation, then I will prepare something that helps them to understand that and then explains that. So the other day I was doing a lesson on the imperative mood, which most native speakers wouldn't even know either, but it's a question that often comes up and it's when you have a verb at the start of the sentence, you know, for example, repair the existing roof. And these sorts of things, even when I was working as a landscape architect, I wouldn't even have thought twice about. I would have just done it. But these are questions that are asked to me all the time. Why do they do it like this? I don't know why. Uh, what, how can I improve the way that I speak? How can I improve the way that I write when I'm doing documentation? Um, also things like how do you be diplomatic when you're writing an email? How yeah. do you not be direct? Because a lot of people when they're, when they're learning English, they learn from a textbook or they, you know, they might learn conversational and then not really know how to be diplomatic to a client. Yeah, I, I, I think, do you know what? You've stumbled upon a very interesting point and it even transcends into what I do for a living because a lot of what I do is, especially in terms of my day job, you know, when I'm not doing the architectural social, the recruitment is all about communication and the phone is a big factor and having the confidence to be on, on the phone is difficult for most people, let alone someone with a second language. You know, in recruitment, it's that's almost... It can it can make it so so challenging to enter because you're right. There's on the phone you've almost got the nuances, the tone, the emotion. But the going talking about what you were saying there, especially with written English, writing an email, yeah, this is subtle art to it, isn't it? Because we all do it, and I mean we do it all a million miles an hour. Because even in WhatsApp, and I'm the same way. You know, if you're writing capital letters, I'm like someone shouting at me yeah. if they, you know, full stops or. Too much exclamation marks. You read all this in terms of tone. And I actually remember an Arctic many years ago. Um, 
who was excellent. But you're right, because English was a second language, he really struggled with emails. And it was it was probably his weakest link in terms of professional development. But the practice admired him so much because he was an excellent architect. And and what's bizarre is I remember thinking, I was really good at writing the emails, but I was less interested in the architecture. Do you know yes. what I mean? <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. The other bit that was interesting when you were talking there is because I can appreciate, I've started talking about the, the, the aspect of what you do in terms of a course, but uh, you're right. There's so much coaching involved. And what I, what is interesting is it's almost never too learn too late. And you, and the fact that you're coaching a senior architect to a, um, a student is very different, but equally valuable to that individual. And, uh, I think it's one of these things of what I like about this is that everyone in life gets hangups. I've had hangups. Everyone gets these comfort, these chinks in the armors that we've got, which kind of, almost feel like they hold you back. And what I like about Archie English is for anyone that kind of feels like the the language barrier is holding them back, it's never too late and they should just jump on. Do you know what I mean? Because the point is you can get over that quite quickly and then probably or you've got a much more statistic chance of your career progressing, you know, mm. because your confidence gets better. I mean, how how long do you typically work with people on a on a one-to-one basis? Does it completely vary on where they are and how much English they know and what point they are in their career and maybe how much responsibility they have? Is it does it vary a lot? Yeah, it varies. It's very different. I mean, I at the start was offering just ad hoc lessons with people. And yeah. I felt like I wanted to make it more focused. So now what I do is I offer a 12-week program and yeah. that helps for me to keep it focused. We also yeah. look at things at the very beginning, we look at strengths. So very often uh, I'll look at, well, we'll look together at what their strengths are and it might be software, it might be visualization, might be a really good designer, but they feel like their their weaknesses are more communication with the client. So we'll look at things that they're really good at, that they know that they can talk about, and we'll we'll develop those as a as a means to help them develop and deal with their weaknesses. So mm. if visualization is their number one skill, we'll think about how can they share those skills of visualization with their colleagues, for example, and then little by little build the confidence. So typically people will work with me for 12 weeks. Sometimes they'll continue with me maybe for another few weeks or maybe they'll do an ad hoc type coaching thing where they come back to me with a question or I've got this email, could you have a look at this email for me or I've got this presentation that I need to do, can you help me with this presentation? So it really depends as well like where they are in their career, what what they're needing to do, what they want to talk about. Um, yeah, it will vary from from person to person. but. Yeah, as you were saying, it's it's really about the confidence that I find out of everything, it's more about the confidence. And also the mm. thing the thing is too that all of my students they come from a country that's different to the country that they're now living in or or they're working in say for example in Europe and English is the is the lingua franca or the common language. And within that, it's not just looking at architecture it's not just looking at architecture vocabulary or or 
expressions, it's also looking at cultural differences. So, for example, the ways that people say things in England might be different to the way things or people say things in in Australia or America, right. for example. Got him. Yeah. And also one really good example for me with cultural differences is at the start of my courses with my Thai students, I have to explain to them it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to disagree with me. It's okay to say what you think because in Thailand it, there tends to be a much greater distance between the boss and the person that works for the boss. So it's also about changing that mentality and trying to explain to them what the what the expectations might be in the country that they're living in compared to where they're coming from it's interesting yeah it, the more and more we talk about it is it was was because i guess that half of it's about articulating language but you're right so the more and more we talk about it the more and more the confidence is a huge part of this isn't it and getting mm. people to overcome it so that they can have that conversation um what the other thing was interesting when you were talking there and i've kind of experienced a little bit on the architectural social is that the kind of the mediums and teaching people and um and one thing that i do admire when you're talking about these one-to-one relationships and how bespoke they are um that's incredibly time consuming and, and good on you for doing it um what i found in terms of because part of the reason the architectural social was set up was because i kind of felt like there wasn't one place focused for architects to communicate which was kind of open so it's a little bit different than um than uh as far as um, the architects project, which is great, but that's to me is much more focused, more workshop. She's accountable for everyone there, and and yeah. this is a different platform. But I've done a few courses, and I was trying to do when I first set up the architectural social. I was doing things on a. I would speak to students, and I would do CV and portfolio reviews on a one to one basis. And while really rewarding, and I did enjoy it. You would speak to someone and it was immensely valuable for them. But I, and all this I was doing during my time on furlough. And like now I'm working full time again. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to have time to do these one to ones. And then the other thing that I noticed is that, especially when helping graduates, there was elements of information that I was repeating to um one person in another so it was a cre- incredibly inefficient use of my time sure. and that's why what i've tried to do now is spend a lot of energy on almost recording a video putting it now on youtube but also within the architectural social on certain bits so that people can digest it and go through it at their own pace so what i really admire is here is it's almost like the two vehicles isn't it you'll go one-to-one on a a person with specific staff but then there's also the the that kind of curriculum that you're building up which covers a lot of the bases which can help people um so yeah i mean sorry i was just talking this more (laughs) talking about my struggles with teaching everyone because it is quite an uphill task isn't it yeah teaching is is a big big (laughs) struggle i mean you take on a lot of your students' challenges and mm. you want to help them and you're trying to make it bespoke. I mean, as much as possible, I try to use similar materials so I'm not doing the same thing over and over. But yeah, at the same time, you know, to give somebody value when you're doing a coaching session, I think it's it's also more about listening. And as you're talking, talking about 
delivering information to somebody, which is good, mm. and that's very often, you know, the teacher sort of relationship. But I think one thing that I've been trying to change a lot more is to to be more of a coaching style relationship with the with the students because often the biggest thing for them is not being able to speak up in a meeting or lacking the confidence and they need to uh. practice that so you you can't passively take that information in when you're watching a youtube video for example it's about giving them the space and the time to talk express themselves give their opinions and and build that confidence to be able to then mm. take that into a real meeting or into a real presentation, for example. Well, hats off to you on that because there's you, what I've learned over the I remember especially when I began in architectural recruitment, I, I joined and a lot of it was going to the meetings with architectural practices to listen to what their requirements are. And I remember especially <laughs> when feeling new or slightly more insecure, I wouldn't properly listen. Do you know when you like, you're almost listening, but you're waiting for, to say the next thing on your mind and then you're not fully engaged, but you are and you're not. I even now sometimes I'll slip into that. But what you're talking about of listening to someone and actually trying to stay in the moment, like diagnostic listening, or I'm not quite sure what the exact term, but it's very, very difficult. But what I admire about that from your point of view is that's what a true coach should be or a true mentor is someone that listens as well. And you are right in that aspect because the course is I I agree. There's a value on it. Um, I'm also I I find a lot as well that you can record all the YouTube videos and all the lessons in the world, but there is such a value on a course where it's accountability from both people. And it was quite interesting because I I went to a talk where it was it was set up by the Mighty Networks talk, and they talked about building a community. And one of the and one of the things was challenging that kind of British notion, you know, when everyone's almost embarrassed to ask for money, but what it talked about is money. And if you think about money in terms of someone valuing themselves or wanting to participate, statistically, people who invest in themselves, someone that seeks you out for their coaching or, or goes to a course with self-learning and puts a value there, they exchange your time and expertise for money and actually that's almost them saying that they're accountable and they want to learn and yeah. that's what i think is uh the strength of your course or your um coaching on one-to-one and that's why the the current theory that i'm working on is that because if you think about it there's so much content on youtube there's so much content on instagram mm -hmm. you almost don't need to in theory do this stuff but then you're kind of missing the human aspect and and that's what i think you're talking about and which is special is yeah. that it's not just a lesson it's that you're present there you're listening to that person talking about their situation where they are you're listening and then acting on it but i mean how do you feel about all that and stuff online or did, would you agree with that or what's yeah. your thoughts? Uh, as you were talking, I was just thinking too that you made some really good points about listening and listening is something over the last few years I've really worked on a lot and I think it's important to give people the space to listen to them and not 
as you were saying, not be listening to what they're saying and thinking, what am I going to say next? And that is a, that is a big challenge for people who speak English as a second language because they're sitting there thinking, okay, I've got to be intelligent. I've got to say something smart. And so I think in order to do the best possible job I can for them, I have to model what I want them to do or what I'm trying to encourage them to do. And that is to be calm and to be in a state of being able to feel as though they can take on the challenge of speaking. And that is, mm. you know, modeling that listening and, and listening to what they have to say. And even though it's online, you can, you can still capture that same. Obviously, it's not exactly the same, but you can still capture that, the skills of listening and making sure that you're there for them. And, and that is really something that is really important to me to do. And it's exactly what you're saying about Instagram. I mean, on some days I think I really can't stand Instagram and I can't stand YouTube <laughs> and I can't stand this whole, like, everything has to be there, you know. But um, I, I also, to myself, work with a coach and that's been really important for me to mm. talk about, you know, what are the things that I value and what is important. And, you know, she's been helping me to think about, you know, what what's important for the people that I work with, but what's important for me as well. And, you know, some days I think I should be making videos for YouTube, I should be doing this for Instagram. But then if I did that, if I kept on doing that, how can I offer the same value and the same service to the students that I work with one-to-one because I wouldn't have yeah, the you, time and the You can't. Patience. You can't. I mean, I, the, the kind of the rule that I have is that, do you know what? When I do social media, it's because I want to. And um, in theory, I know even like with this podcast, right, it, it should go out every week at the same day because that's going to be the smarter thing for students or everyone to listen to and everyone sets up a routine. But you know what? I'm just, I'm just trying to do it as I go along. You just got to do your best. <laughs> well, even yesterday, I mean, you're kind for anyone in context and I'm, I'm open to it. You were so sweet in actually doing this podcast today because I missed our slot yesterday because like I got caught up in my, in, you know, in, in the madness of Mondays. And, and I feel like that life kind of happens and, what I like is what you're talking about. It is the students first. And it's even with the Arctic social, I try to do things for the community first. Um, the, the, I'm, the other bit that's really interesting. I'd love to for, for, get your thoughts on it as well is that. I've seen two different things, and especially in recruitment compared to architecture. In architecture, I do think that most architects do help each other out and do exchange information. There, There is always an element in any industry, certain, I think maybe when someone feels a little bit insecure about their skills or ability, they're less likely to share something with someone else, right? I think it's less in architecture, but especially in recruitment, right? You wouldn't believe what it's like sometimes. No, no, no. This is my piece of information or this is my list. I'm not sharing it. I'm not sharing anything. And uh, like maybe my, my pearls of wisdom as I, as I, as I go along is that everyone should share information. And, and what's interesting about the YouTube is that everything that 
I would do on a one-to-one mentoring, so let's say hypothetically in the future, is the same content that I put on YouTube. It's exactly the same. There's no secret. I don't hide anything behind the paywall. I'm not one of them Wolf of Wall Street, um, uh, oh, you know, like them, you know, have you ever been to one of them events where they're like, okay, you come along for an hour and it's 10 yes. quid and they go, well, now that you've met me and I've given you a little nugget sign up for the twelve thousand pound course yeah, and you learn all the secret <laughs> I, I think that they're obviously awful and it's it's a clever business it's not model a nice, not a nice but feeling is it no no and i i think what what i've done with the social and everything is all my thoughts is they're all on youtube everything's there but the difference is i that you miss with the one-to-one is that if i was sitting down to you in the one-to-one you miss the fact that a hopefully I'm a diagnostic listener. I'm listening to your case, but it's also the accountability and dialogue. And it reminds me a little bit like me with with uh, you know at the moment like last year I put weight on in the coronavirus right, and I know exactly what to do. But it's accountability, and I think it Absolutely. really helps sometimes having friends that are being like, "How are you getting on?" or mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think when you haven't got that accountability. A bit, it's a bit like a personal trainer, right? If I've got a personal trainer, I don't really want to go on the Raz Friday night because you know what it's like when I got to go back to the gym next Wednesday. It's like the, it'll be like the shame. You'll be like, how are you doing? Did you do the assignments that yeah. I said? And I'm like, ah, oh, Tara, I haven't really done anything. And I think, I think that's a really important part of the mentoring experience. It's not just the content, but it's that relationship and you. By being in that um, relationship, that professional relationship with someone, they feel a responsibility to themselves and to you to do it. And then when they do it, you big them up, don't you? You're like, well done. I'm super proud of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and they keep going. But I mean, do you, do you get that buzz or do you feel like th- that accomplishment then? Yeah, absolutely. So I have, I have, I often ask my students at the end of each session or maybe after every couple of sessions, you know, was that useful for you or how was that useful for you? So I, I, I find it it's better to understand what it's doing for them and it, it really makes me feel like what we're, what I'm doing with them is useful and they will say, you know, I started speaking up in a meeting or I asked a question in a meeting and I feel super proud and that for me is just amazing. And yeah. I think one thing that I try to do, as you were talking about, you know, you share all of your thoughts and everything on YouTube and with the architecture social, I try to do that too. So after a lesson with somebody, I'll have my my diary next to me and I'll think about what are some of the things that came out of that lesson that I could share with other people. So if there was a particular um, uh, adjective that we talked about, or there was a particular expression, then I'll write it down. And I use that as a way to formulate something for Instagram or for, for LinkedIn or for something that I can share with other people. But it doesn't take it away from when I'm working one-to-one with somebody because they're having that time with me. They're, they're able to speak to me and I'm listening and giving them feedback and, and that sort of thing. So mm. I think that yeah, it can all sort of work together and, and help each other. But at the same time, you know, I think you have to also look after yourself as a professional. I have to sometimes walk away because there's so much I could do. I feel like I could spend all day writing Instagram posts and never be finished. 
you know, or I could yeah. make a video and never be finished. But I need to have time for myself and and in order to be better, in order to be able to listen, in order to not be tired and, and do all that. So Yeah. And I think that's really important because I've kind of felt the two sides it's been interesting because a bit like your archie English, the architecture social, I absolutely love. It gives so much reward to me. But you're right. There's almost a point where I felt the same. It's never enough. And you've also sometimes, and I'm I'm thinking more from, maybe I'm speaking directly on the kind of things that are in my, in my brain at the moment, <laughs> but especially on Instagram, you know, you can almost sometimes be chasing these numbers or it sucks you in. And because when you've got your own business, in essence, it's more about, it comes from a good place of, I would love everyone to be aware of the architecture social. If and, and there's nothing that makes me feel better than someone having a good time. So like the best bit that's come this week is that there's one or two people on the social that were asking, does anyone want to play Dungeons and Dragons, right? And and to me, that's the most... It, so important. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like fun and we all need that and it's real. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like a real moment. And so Community. I put a lot of value in it. But you're right, it's it's it's, it's a catch-22 because the uh, the important bit of your business is archie english and you working on that and actually the 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 satisfying feeling you you get from someone getting further in their career and getting more confident but these online tools i think that they they're useful but to go back to your analogy i don't think it's a conversation we're talking now the point is when you're mentoring someone there's a two-way dialogue there's that conversation theory of in they could say something different and then the conversation goes down a different narrative or a bit like a doctor or an engineer or a mechanic there's an element of you've got a kind of sometimes you're told exactly what the person's looking for or maybe in some cases they think that there's a hang-up in one particular area and when you speak to them you're like no you're actually good at that but I think you re- don't think you're good at that. So there's that diagnostic element. But with Instagram and all this stuff, there's none of that, isn't it? Because it's a one-way relationship. It's just like me and you with a big broadcasting thing going, hey, look at the cool stuff we've got going there. And while it's good, I think the downside is that there's that false sense of – you're not able to do all the good you can do on social media. And and that's the bit that I have there. And, and I think that the downside is with all these different platforms is that it can become really fragmented. So I guess with yourself, how have you found, especially with coronavirus and everything changing and people being online, how has that changed how people approach you? And how has that changed how you go about using these social media channels or mm. um, getting people aware of Archie English? That's a really good question. Um, I think for me, I am somebody who who likes to talk to people face-to-face. And so yeah. it was really hard, I guess, for me last year to figure out how am I going to do this and get to people to know me. So I guess what I've done – in a number of ways. So I've used Instagram as a way of posting things that I'm learning in my, in my classes with my students and that I think would be useful for other people. And then occasionally people might send me a message on Instagram as well. And, or I might share people's things. Yeah. Um, I, that it's exactly how I got to know Sarah Lebner 
So I saw what she was doing. I thought it was really good. But then I took, we took our relationship off Instagram. We spoke on Zoom. I'm now part of her architecture project. I love being part of that architecture project. I learned so much. It's a good thing, isn't it? It's It's amazing. You know, listening to different people speak about things and also seeing how people interact with the, the material as well has been really valuable for me as well, just to know what people, what they're talking about and also good for me to see that not all architects know everything about architecture because that's what, mm. that's what I worried about at the start because I'm not an architect. I've worked with architects a lot. I am a landscape architect. I thought I had to know everything about everything. But it's not really mm. the case. So that's how I sort of developed that. I've also used LinkedIn as well a lot. So posting on LinkedIn and trying to establish conversations with people off LinkedIn as well. So inviting them to come and have a conversation with me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, by doing that and being and being active within these areas. It invites people to want to perhaps get to know you more, have a conversation. And I guess that's how you and I met as well. We're having a yeah. conversation. And for me, I think it's important to, to kind of check back in that it's, you know, it's a real sort of thing. There's a, there's a human element to it. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And, uh, and so pre lockdown, I mean, a lot of what I would do, especially in terms of my, uh, while, so you're a landscape architect. I used to work in architecture, but for the last seven years, I do recruitment. And part of it is so important to meet the client face-to-face and, and meet people um, face-to-face if you can as well. Because then it's much better because when you go to a practice and then when you meet someone, you kind of you have that Cupid moment of like, oh, I really think you would be really good for this company. Or have yeah. you? I know you you've got your ideas on this, but actually maybe – you should think about this company. Um, it's changed. It's completely changed. We've got interviews online, networking online, and you're right. And I think like the term networking, it sounds awful. And in my head, I've got that, you got that, I've got that cringy image of people holding a business card, you yeah. know, around, but, but actually there is a nice thing about online. And what I would advise anyone, uh, and even for us, I almost somewhat don't remember how, we chatted, but I do remember why. It's because I liked what you did. And I think that my tip for anyone online is not to overthink it. The same way of maybe someone reaching out to you or the same way if someone's interested in the architectural social or the same way I speak to a few people is that I think most of the time, if you're human about things, most people are receptive and we know where everyone is right now. They're all at home on their computers because <laughs> yeah. of the lockdown. Exactly. So this is... It's the best time to make friends and stuff online. Mm. Um, I've definitely, so w- yeah, I've definitely used LinkedIn a lot actually. The, well, over the last year, yeah, I just thought, well, you know, everyone's doing it. Why not? And I reached out to some people living in Australia, to some coaches. I had conversations with them, uh, and as a result of doing that, I've been on a podcast or I've been on a few podcasts had really great conversations with people and made really good connections. And you're right, like we've we've really had to adapt and people are becoming more used to being online as well. It, at the start of last year, I was still working as a landscape architect for a company in Australia. So be, prior to COVID happening, 
this was what we were doing already. So I was doing mm. some freelance work and and it's amazing how much more comfortable people are now with that process. Whereas prior to that, it was a bit like, oh, this is a bit difficult. You know, I have to explain the design online and share my screen. And now it's just a natural part of how we communicate. And now we're having to adapt. Yeah, I, I'm, I was having this conversation with someone today, actually, because I think the, the idea in the UK of working um, remotely was most architectural practices response before would be like, are you crazy? That will never work. The idea, we need people in the office, mm. you know, and, and even in recruitment, right? To get a job where people can work at home was very rare, mm. very rare. Maybe one day a week, maybe. And that's a big maybe. And I always tell people, I'm like, whoa, we're not getting there. Yeah. But now I think it's completely changed. I think that most people will be working. I think that what I predict and we'll see is that there'll be kind of like a, a 60-40 split of people into the office. And even the kind of offices of the future are um, going to be different. I predict that what you instead of seeing our floor plan of 100 seats and desks i reckon it would be 30 uh desks and four or five meeting rooms mm. i think that would be the model of the future and if that's the model of the future then again it language becomes so key because like right now me and you are talking here on this podcasting tool there's um you, you need to be comfortable online and that's a skill set in itself but also a big large part of that is being confident in your language or um is confident in getting it right but there's another confidence i find that now i am more comfortable bizarrely if i mess things up because because <laughs> i've come to learn that it's more humanizing and that's why even with this podcast sometimes i'll record them right and like now the microphone's over here and, and i kind of <laughs> work out where it should be but basically is there's so many important parts to getting it perfect but with this podcast now i try to get it right but the other day i recorded one and my sound was awful mm. and you kind of get it there or and sometimes i think oh i shouldn't have said this right or that and now i just chalk it down to it's me and you in the moment and this conversation flows and that's my style it doesn't work for everyone the the point i'm going with this though is that i think you need to be authentic and i think that really helps online and what it, the other advantage i've had because english is my first language you kind of become the master of i don't want to use the word manipulating but you can strategically use certain things because i've commanded the english language for many yeah. years I, I i should make an awful joke because i'm actually welsh and i don't speak welsh so i'm, ter I'm a terrible i'm a terrible welshman but you know i do think that uh it's so important for people to feel comfortable with speaking english because it, it can be such a big deal and and uh as well as uh talking the other thing to feel comfortable with is silence or emotion and I think that especially me, uh, many, many years ago as well, if there was kind of a silence in the room, I'd be the guy to fill it up with nonsense, you know, <laughs> and actually there is a power <laughs> in saying less sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And you made some really good points about 
online communication is really changing. And uh, I mean, imagine for people who speak English as a second language and there's a whole mm. new series of challenges that they have. You know, people that I work with talk about how they are doing a presentation to a developer, for example, and everyone has their microphones turned off. So all they see is their video. And so prior to presenting online, they're already having some challenges and now they're not picking up on the reactions of people. So it can be really challenging. And then also when you're in a meeting and there's six or seven people and everyone's trying to talk at the same time, which, I mean, on Zoom, it, it mutes you because it only allows oh, one yeah. person to talk. So that can be challenging too. And if you want to say something, what do you do? You put your hand up or what do you do? So it, it, it's a whole set of other challenges that I now work with students to talk about this with professionals. And yeah, I mean, also one of the things that I do when I'm teaching university, because I'm all teaching online as well, I have to tell them to all put their cameras on because otherwise I feel like I'm just talking to my yeah. computer. <laughs> I was I was going to say because the bit that kind of maybe there's a bit of synergy in our areas where because in an interview it's all about in the moment and and an interview is just as much as a first impression or getting to know each other and and like in life you that a lot of times in life that's your moment and now it's not me and you're not doing this interview face to face we're on mm. um we were, we were on computers and even, I think, uh, orchestrating your environment to make how you speak and how you look and how you come across is so important. It's almost just as much as what you actually say. You know, it's like the confidence piece you have, but it's even stuff like decent lighting. Um, yeah. I know this is not language per se, but I think a camera too high or a camera too low is a little bit disorientating. Yeah. And if the microphone's not clear, it's like this, this podcast that we're doing now, you would be amazed at how many people, and this is not their fault. It's just like one of these things that you would never think about, right? Yeah. Now you're wearing headphones and you've got a microphone. So immediately your vocals are much clearer. I'm going to be doing less editing. So thank you. And it's, it's much more easier for me to engage in the conversation, but I've had one or two guests where the audio has been so quiet or they haven't got uh, headphones. And what happens is there's reverb in the room. I hear myself and it throws me off. And then what I find interesting is if I hear reverb on myself, the, the bit of me being in the moment with you is much harder because I start focusing on myself. So yeah. I guess a big part of it now is uh, with the Archie English and everything, that's probably just as obviously getting over the English and getting over the hangups and improving and confidence is key. But I imagine you touch upon that subject as well, isn't it? Of how to come across online and how oh, yeah. to best present your, your voice. Absolutely. And I, I think I talk about this on a daily basis, things like, some people will be really self-conscious about what they look like on video as well. So if they're thinking, if firstly they're thinking my English is not good and then they're thinking about what they need to say next, then they're thinking yeah. about what they look like on video, this is really, really challenging. And, and especially yeah. if they're in a, in a meeting with four or five other people who might speak quicker, speak with a different accent, that is a really tough situation to be in. 
And yeah. so sometimes it's for me, it's it's more just about listening to or how can I help you in this situation? I there are there are certain things that you can't control. You can't, you know, you can't change certain things. So it's about trying to give them give them some examples of things that they can do. What can they focus on? How can they stop focusing on what they look like? How can they, you know, it's a lot of things to to really take in. So yeah, I try to to tell them to you know be kind to themselves and maybe focus on one or two things in a meeting but you know it's it's very very challenging and you know the only thing that they can do is practice i guess well this is it and the other thing is while we were talking now it's funny because you you've seen because we got the video here i went like this with my headphones because <laughs> something was in the background uh. and distractions <laughs> is another part isn't it exactly. it's like the ability to freestyle and to keep going and to talk during our new worlds of you know, maybe the Amazon man rings, you know, it's like, ding, 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 ding. And you're like, oh, no, but having the that kids ability. Are in the background or what's happening. Oh, I don't envy that. Um, bless her, because um, one of the a fantastic guy on my team who's also named Steve has got two kids. And, I mean, they're lovely kids. And, and yeah, I just feel for him sometimes. He'll be in that meeting and it's an important call. And the kids run in, don't they? Like, daddy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no. But I, I, with all this um, obstacles, I think, comes like exciting territory and I do think, and this is why I was really pleased that you were coming on this podcast, because in this one in particular, I think it's really important. And um, generally, I'm the, the tone of the podcast so far is like, I like to get people on at different points in their careers, whether they're a student or a director, to kind of talk about their journey. Well, mm-hmm. I think in this particular case, um, while your journey is important, I just think that what you're doing is more relevant than ever. So I think what would be great is perhaps if we get one or two topics in future, or maybe what we'll do is we'll definitely put this on the architecture social a bit more uh, prominent because I imagine there's going to be quite a few people who will find value in this. And for anyone that's not familiar again with the work that you've done, Tara, see Tara Carl, you're on LinkedIn, you mm-hmm. have your website as well you're on the architecture social so what what's the best ways to reach out and find out more and contact you yeah so i'm pretty active on linkedin uh so you can come and send me a message on linkedin or connect with me on linkedin i like to have conversations with people on linkedin too if they send me a message um you can send me an email on my from my website you can come and say hello on instagram there's a a plethora of ways you can contact me but i think probably the best way would be linkedin or my email brilliant i will when we put this podcast i will put the links on the 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 podcast as well for people to link but so thank you thank you so much i really appreciate this and hope we can pick up the conversation soon yeah absolutely i look forward to talking about lots of different things that we can talk about and helping people with their english and into architecture you might have to teach me Welsh. I'm failing my heritage. Oh, I don't know if I can speak Welsh. Can you can you, <laughs> can you speak French? We'll we'll do a swap. <laughs> no, no, I can't. But I do I do love Paris. I went there, and it would be really helpful to know because yeah. uh, I tell you what, Paris is an amazing city. But it, I do think it would help if you if you know French. <laughs> Thank you so much, yes. Tara. Thank I really you, appreciate Stephen. it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks.